Welcome everybody to another episode of the Scared Stip Horror Podcast. And today is a very special Christmas episode. And Christmas is not just one day, it's a season. So this will be one of several Scared Stiff Christmas specials coming in the next few weeks. Today we have a returning guest. Our first returning guest. We have Jaws 2 Superfan, <laughs> Dalen Candy Cane Lane. Welcome back, Dalen. Hello. I'm so happy and pleased to be back. Well, a pleasure having you back. We have a fun episode today. I'm excited. We are going to talk about Christmas horror movies. But are sharks involved? Because if not, I'm going to leave right now. <laughs> In part four of Jaws, it's actually a Christmas movie. <laughs> okay. And okay. How the shark was able to survive in chilly December waters in Long Island is another story for another podcast. <laughs> but there actually are a decent amount of Christmas horror films. It's actually probably second to Halloween as far as the most amount of horror films based around any specific holiday. There's also an, a lot of B-movie Christmas horror films. I was just watching one today, Christmas Twister. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of them out there. There's an awful lot. If we touched upon every Christmas horror movie, we wouldn't do the justice to these that these films deserve. So I figured we would kind of give an overview of the Christmas horror films, but then really focus on two. So... I would like to focus today on Better Watch Out from 2016 and P2 from 2007. Two great Christmas horror films that we both watched that mm -hmm. deserve our attention and deserve attention of the viewers. I'm very excited because I feel like these films are not well known and they have both flown under the radar, but they're both very good and very fun. And both available on Tubi. So if you guys haven't watched it, it's out there. I will say, though, if you have not watched these films, I won't be offended. I would pause the podcast and watch them first. I agree, because there will be spoilers for sure. Oh, yeah. There's just no way of talking about this. It'll definitely be a spoilerific episode for those of you yeah. who haven't seen those movies. Yeah. but And they're worth watching. And also, they're not super long. They're both... I think P2 is just under an hour and a half. And I think uh, Better Watch Out, which are the films that we're probably going to talk about today, is just about an hour and a half. Yeah, so if you have three hours tonight, you could do a, a great <laughs> Christmas double feature. Exactly. Yeah. So let's start. Christmas horror films is not a new thing. Dating nope. back till the 70s, maybe even earlier. The ones that really kind of spawned the subgenre of Christmas horror films, of course, is 1974's Black Christmas. And I think Silent Night, Bloody Night was an English film from, I think that was 72. And Black Christmas is what really put slashers, it kind of solidified slasher films too, that really made the mark on horror and it kind of redefined it, or at least gave it a whole new look. Absolutely. It predated Halloween by four years, and they had the the point of view of the killer. You know, a lot of tropes that would become common in horror movies came from Black Christmas. 
that are still used today. They're still used today too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's got a good look too. It kind of reminds me of what Christmas looked like when I was younger. <laughs> do you have a favorite ornament or decoration that you had growing up? And what maybe do you have a favorite one now? Hmm. Good question. I do not really. I have a whole Santa Claus collection. Of just ornaments or like the things that you put outside? They're, they're figures. My, my mom actually collected them. And it was when she passed away, me and my sisters kind of split them up. So, but she had a beautiful collection, some dating back to the 60s and 50s even. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I'll, I'll post them to my Instagram. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would love to see them. Yeah. Kind of doesn't fit. It doesn't, Um, it's not on brand with Scared Stiff Films, but hey, it's the holidays. I'll, I'll break the rules. It, yeah, why not? It's good to have a little fun. Wasn't, wait, I feel like Tiny, wasn't there a short Tiny episode that took place during Christmas? I thought there was one a few years ago. I did the Jason Xmas miniseries. Right. Okay. Yeah. So for those who haven't seen it, it was a nine part series. It was a web series on Jason Voorhees taking place on Christmas Day. And Jason accidentally kills Santa. And those who have seen the Santa Claus know what happens when you put on the coat. Mm -hmm. so Jason puts on the coat and now he has the powers of Santa Claus. And he can go down the chimney. He can hold a ball of snow and, and see where you are. So it's out there unhinged and I have a smash cut, which is about a 40 minute cut of all the movies put together. Sheet plug, but take a look. Go watch it. Worth it. Even though I thought it was tiny, go watch it. And I actually, I filmed it in the same location in Blairstown, New Jersey, where the first one was filmed. Ah, okay. So you'll definitely recognize some of the locations. So cheap plug for Jason Xmas. Get on it. Yeah. So there's there's also last time you were on, we talked about gateway horror. Yeah. And so there are a couple gateway horror Christmas movies. Gremlin. Yeah, that's yes. That's a great. I mean, oh, that's a great one. Also, Edward Scissorhands. Oh, absolutely. Edward Scissorhands. Fantastic. What else would you consider? Anything off the cuff or weird that you would think could lean people into the horror genre from a horror Christmas film? Well, there was actually a few from some of the anthologies. I know Tales from the Dark Side has Seasons of Belief. Yes. With the Grither and the young Jenna Von Oy. You had um, Tales from the Crypt had All Through the Night, The Killer Santa. Mm -hmm. Made by Larry Drake, who was also Dr. Giggles. Mm -hmm. And then Twilight Zone, so probably the, the 60s had an episode where a guy finds Santa's sack and just delivers toys to the kids it wasn't really scary but it was kind of um a crossover there fantasy you know which episode of twilight zone i actually it's not a christmas episode but i always relate it to the christmas season i think because of the snow it's the diner episode where one is the alien they they they're it's the people on the bus who are stranded they end up at the diner and it turns out there's an alien from is it Venus? And then an alien is from Mars, I think. Um, and it's just super snowy. And I always assume, because they're traveling, it's all strangers, that it's like holiday season. 
But so I tell myself that one's Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> they've got a lot of the um, usual trappings of the holiday. So yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. Great. Another gateway horror that takes place during Christmas. You can call it Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Think about it. <laughs> it is. The villain in that was the bottommost snow monster yeah. who eats reindeer and he traps Rudolph's friends. Dude, that's that's rad of a horror movie. That's not the one. Oh, wait. Also, a Frosty, the snowman is kind of a horror. Jack Snow is terrifying. Oh, ja- oh yeah. that Yeah, Jack Frost, I believe he was from Frosty's Winter Wonderland when, when Frosty yeah. got married to Crystal. Yeah. They're both scary. Yeah. Absolutely. The Grinch, you know. He, yeah. A little scary monster there. Who yeah. To- what do you, did you prefer the film or the book? The cartoon film or the Jim Carrey film? Cartoon film, yeah. Uh, well, ooh, let's say between the three. Probably the cartoon with Boris Karloff. Mm-hmm. You know, the music there was great. You know, you can't hear the music from in the book. Yeah. <laughs> so, True. yeah. But they they based the animation closely off the, the book. So they're all winners. You can't go wrong yeah. no matter what you pick. I don't love Jim Carrey's Grinch film. No. Something about it makes me a little bit nauseous. <laughs> I don't know why. It like doesn't sit well. Maybe it's the makeup. Maybe it's a little bit too I think like the close-ups are very intense. I don't like how they look, but yeah, I think it's very well done and the acting and cinematography, all of that is great, but I just don't love that film. I'd be fine never watching that one again. I like the animated one, though. Well, speaking of scary Jim Carrey Christmas movies, did you watch his Christmas Carol? No, I'm okay. Holy moly. <laughs> they had some really terrifying scenes in there. One of the characters, his jaw comes off while he's talking as to keep ramming his jaw back into his face. Is it meant to be funny? It's supposed to be funny, but if I was a kid, I wouldn't find it funny. You know, if you had a sensitive kid there to watch a fun Christmas cartoon or a Christmas CGI. Yeah. You know, it has some visuals that were a little intense. Right. Mm. Yeah, that was a pretty scary Christmas film for children. Yeah, I think also in that one, I just wasn't into but it looked well done i just couldn't i also think christmas that that story has been retold time and time again and i'm kind of sick of it <laughs> yeah no virtually every 80s sitcom had a christmas carol spoof yeah it's it's been done to death if only yeah. charles dickens got residuals Man, his yeah. <laughs> from every time someone ripped off a Christmas Carol, man, yeah, they would dig up his his grave and line it with silver. <laughs> Roll a minute. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly! So yeah, so I think we should jump to our first movie. Yeah. So the first film we're talking about today is Better Watch Out, directed by Chris Peckover, starring Olivia De Jong. Levi Miller and Ed Oxenbold. So good. So in Better Watch Out, Luke, played by Levi Miller, is a 13 or 14-year-old kid getting too old for a babysitter. 
And his babysitter, Ashley, played by Olivia DeJong, is moving away. So he decides it's time to make his move. It's now or never before she moves away. And he's going to tell his crush that his babysitter that he has a crush on her and, you know, see what kind of moves he has. And the movie takes a turn. So I really enjoyed this one. I've seen it a, a, a few times at this point, and I think it's it's very much a Christmas film that said it's a perfect any time of the year film. Um, it's essentially a home invasion that goes awry because it's also, for those listening, there will be spoilers. So we would definitely recommend watch this first if you don't want spoilers. But it's a home invasion that isn't really a home invasion. And actually, Luke's best friend Garrett, played by Ed Oxenbould, who also was in The Visit by M. Night Shyamalan, it turns out they stage this whole entire home invasion. And um, yeah, Luke plans on trying to save her and everything ends up going amiss. And he ends up becoming extremely sadistic and violent to win her over. And uh, yeah, it's very well done. Olivia DeJong was also in the visit. They they played brother and sister. So this is their second. Wait, no. Yeah, this is their second film together. She looks so different. Yeah, She's probably a few years I, older than him. I've seen like tangent, but I've seen the visit a couple of times. Not not the best film, but I was watching it because there's a channel called on YouTube Your Movie Sucks, and they do these really detailed deep dives about certain films that this person hates and kind of destroys the film. And anyway, that was one of the films. So I watched it and then watched the review of it. Um, and it was very good. But yeah, I did not recognize her that she was the girl in the visit. That's wild. Yeah. A couple other people of note in the film, Virginia Madsen. She was the mother. Um, she was also in Candyman. She had a nice, a good horror pedigree. She was also in, the Haunting from 1999. Then Patrick mm-hmm. Warburton, who people may know from one of the Men in Black movies, among other things. The Tick. A lot of voiceovers. Yeah. Is, isn't he uh, Joe on Family Guy? I'm not entirely I forget. Sure. Yeah, he's, but done also, a, he's done a ton of stuff. Um, and then there's also, I'm going to, uh, apologies to this actor, but Dacker Montgomery, who plays Jeremy, who plays an ex-boyfriend of Ashley, and he was from Stranger Things. Yeah, you're right. And I believe he was not allowed to do stunts for this film because they were filming Power Rangers. And his agent told him he couldn't do any stunts because they couldn't take a chance of him getting hurt and not being able to do Power Rangers. Because I thought that might have been his big takeoff. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, his role is pretty small anyway, but it's quite a violent scene with him. So that that was then very well done. Yeah. So interesting enough. So I believe the initial plan was to have a one shot, a long shot of him being hung off the tree. Mm-hmm. But because they wouldn't put him in harm's way, they shot it with about like 20 different angles and cut it together, which I thought made it more effective. Yeah. That was originally done because they didn't want him to jeopardize his next film. With Power Rangers, didn't really do anything. But then, like you said, Stranger Things came along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this film was made in Australia. I think the only two American actors were Virginia Madsen and Patrick Warburton. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, that whole house was done on a soundstage. 
it looks like such a real house. For those who haven't seen this film, that house is really nice and it looks really good and very realistic. Yeah. I think the only thing that wasn't shot on the soundstage was the opening shot of the street covered in snow. Mm-hmm. I think that was shot in Minnesota, but yeah, the rest of it was all shot in, in Australia in their summertime, actually. Yeah. It's amazing how these things have, you know, production and stuff. They're able to work it so that it looks like it's really in season. Sometimes I don't like to know that stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just kills the magic for you. Kind of. It's hard, <laughs> you know, like, that, did you watch the uh, the movies that make us in Home Alone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was cool to see, but it kind of bummed me out a little bit that that wasn't actually like the interiors of the house. But yeah, you know, there you go. Well, that Chicago house that was huge in Home Alone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the movie itself had a lot of shifts in tone. It was kind mm-hmm. of fun. It never got too serious for too long without giving me a little wink wink that's kind of all for fun in a way like even the all the murders the backdrop was like fun christmas music yeah and i think this film is also i think it's really easy as a horror fan to be pulled into a film and then to be disappointed with a kitsch factor right if something is like too cutesy too tongue-in-cheek this i really enjoyed in part because i think a solid third of the film has you believe that this home invasion is happening. It's really a large chunk of the film until you learn what is actually going on and it starts to unravel. And I appreciate that it's so far in. It's not just like 10 minutes and then the rest of it is just, you know, death and toil and destruction. You really kind of feel for for Luke as a character uh, you know, that he's scared, he wants to help her, and Ashley is actually terrified, doesn't know how, what to do, and she's kind of not a very good adult, even though she's also not an adult either. Um, but yeah, I, I very much enjoyed that uh, such a large chunk of it, you you remain believing. And then you also even believe that Luke can come back from what he is doing and what he's done. Like every step of the way, he has a chance to stop what he's doing and he proactively just chooses to go forward, like falls to the wall. No, man, I'm just going to go all in. Yeah, you're right. Every time the act changes, the the story completely changes. Like the first act, it's really sweet. The young boy, he has a crush on, on his babysitter. So she thinks that she's cuddling with him because it's a little boy. He thinks it's something romantic. It's a very sweet story in the first act, mm-hmm. you know. And then, then we realize, okay, these kids are now. We realize that it was a setup. It's these these dumb kids that are getting themselves over their heads. But it's still kind of fun and games. Nobody's getting hurt. But then yeah. the, the third act, pretty much everyone dies <laughs> violently. There's such a good scene. So I remember when I was rewatching this film, I remembered how much that this was the scene that stood out to me. And I also actually think, uh, I don't want to speak in hyperbole and say it's one of the best scenes I've ever seen. I don't think that, but I do think it's so well done for a film that's not this heavy mainstream film, the paint can scene. Yeah. What a solid, it's done so well. 
you just see enough. It's one of those that gets to you because it's a lot, you know what's happening, but it's really your mind playing games. You only see enough. You really don't see the end result. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. You hear the smash, you see the reactions, and you see the yellow paint with blood mixed in. But yeah, you don't see the actual smash. They were referring to the Home Alone paint can in the first mm -hmm. act. But when they were referring to it in the first act, it was more kind of fun, fun and game, playing around, just hyperbole. What would happen if someone did get hit in the head with a can? But then... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. And then in the third act, we see, oh, man, Luke was serious. And his, fun, his friend Garrett was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? And so he was using his friend Garrett. Garrett thought he was just being a good friend, a loyal friend. And clearly not, you know, he dis he disposes of Garrett as well, which was another shocking. It's always shocking when you get minors getting blown away in, in films. That, I mean, that was karma. And I, like, I'll give it to the film that they did that. I think, I think that's a really powerful moment that you realize that Luke is not just this teenager in love and he's messed up. Like, he's actually, he's got the serial killer vibe in him and also i like that garrett actually in that scene when it happens he's like wait we're for real home aloneing him like, it's such a good well-used line yeah <laughs> so it was interesting with with luke's character he was pretty much your spoiled brat to the extreme you know he wants something he can't have which is the babysitter he has a temper tantrum when he can't have what he wants in his case he goes on a murder spree and at the very end of the movie, he gets caught. We, we don't actually see what happens to him, but the mom is embracing him for the horrible night that he has, and the babysitter just gives him the finger as she's being loaded into the ambulance. Wait, so the context with that, again, if you're into spoilers, so essentially what happens is he ends up killing everybody, and he leaves his whole house in absolute disarray, but he cleans up all the mess so it looks very much like he was not involved at all kind of like suicide murder situation going on but he somehow stayed asleep the whole time like a little baby angel and his parents come home and find him find the babysitter dead and all this this chaos and carnage and anyway it turns out the babysitter was alive and as she's being wheeled out by the ambulance she just gives him the finger while he's being embraced by his mom so it's such a happy ending <laughs> i love it so much Great movie. Great Christmas imagery. It is an awesome Christmas horror movie that we both recommend you checking out. Mm -hmm. It's on Tubi. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure of any other streaming platforms, but check it out. It's definitely worth your time. Mm -hmm. And maybe like me, it becomes part of your, with Elf and Christmas Vacation and Christmas Story, it becomes part of your yearly tradition. Do you watch it, you, you would say, every year? Since I, well, it's only been about three years, but I've watched it the last three years. Okay. And I, I'll continue watching it at least once a year. All right. Fair enough. I respect that. <laughs> Great. Any last words on Better Watch Out? Go watch it. Definitely. I would not maybe let your little ones watch that one, though. Definitely not. Yeah. That's it, though. Yeah. Great. The next film we are going to watch is P2, a 2007 horror film directed by Frank Calfown. I'm probably butchering it, but that's the best I can do. 
Rachel Nichols, who plays Angela, and Wes Bentley, who's playing Thomas. What did you think of P2? I really enjoyed this film. And I'm kind of surprised that this one doesn't have more... Like, people don't talk about this film. I feel like even in my own horror circles, when I, you know, talk with friends about films, a lot of people are just totally unaware of this one. But I feel like when this came out, it did have a slight mainstream release. Like, this wasn't just a B film or... I think it's an independent film, but it wasn't like, I think I feel like I even saw this on IFC or, or one of those channels, right? It was on a more mainstream channel when I had seen it. So yeah, I feel like it's an underrated film. The only, my only personal con is I really like where it takes place, but this is a story that we do see, you know? So that's the only thing, but yeah, anyway. It did get a wide release. I think the problem was the time it got released. If I remember correctly, it was November 7th, I want to say. Mm. And maybe too early for a Christmas film and too late for the horror season. I don't know. Unfortunately, though, I know it bombed in the theaters, but it's a great movie. That's why Mm -hmm. you can't base the quality of a movie over how much it made. Because it was way better than its box office return. Quick background on the movie. The movie is about Thomas, played by Wes Bentley, who you may recognize from American Beauty. He is a security guard in New York City. And Angela works in the building that Thomas works at. And she gets locked into the parking garage. And it's Christmas Eve and she's trying to get home. She goes to Thomas to try to get out. I think her car is not working. So she has Thomas jump, jump her car. Won't work. He's trying to help her out. And what we find out is that Thomas has a crush on Angela, a dangerous crush. He's been stalking her a little bit. He's been stalking. Yeah, maybe a crush is a a light word for what it was. (laughs) He's been stalking her and he wants to spend Christmas with her. So similar to the last movie we, we just covered, both of these stories are about a guy who has feelings for a lady and wants to spend Christmas with them. The holiday PSA is get your emotions in check, everybody. (laughs) So the whole movie takes place in this garage or this this building. And it was actually filmed in a real garage in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I know that they had to film at night because this garage was used during the day and they had to shoot other scenes at night, which probably drove the, (laughs) the, the props people crazy and, you know, trying to make sure everything looked the same. Also, that garage has a lot of space. New York garages don't have that much space. Yeah. Or parking lots, we'll say, the underground ones. But they did a lot. It's So it's not just this garage and that's it. They had other set pieces. There was the scene and the elevator when he floods it to try to get her out. So, you know, they were very creative in maximizing the single location for the movie. I actually think some of my favorite scenes, they're so quick. But... You see him stalking her through the security cameras because he ends up showing her actually that he has seen her. He has seen her with other people, even like there's an incident where she's, you know, sexually assaulted in in the elevator at some point. And he he's like, I'm going to get revenge. You know, I'm going to do this in your honor or whatever. But I think those little snippets of the security camera 
recalling what happened were very well done and look ex- very realistic. Oh, absolutely. They maximized this one small location and made the whole film compelling. There was no downtime. There was no boring parts of this movie. You know, they had a great Christmas feel between kills. His West Bentley, he's dancing to Elvis's Christmas themes in The Office, which he has lit up nicely for Christmas. <laughs> yep. It's a fun movie. Did you have a favorite part in that film? My favorite part in the movie? Hmm. I guess not that like I'm a fan of what's happening in the scene. Spoiler alert, he captures her and he changes her and he puts her into a nice dress and he has dinner with her. Of course, she's chained to the chair. And I like that scene because of the dialogue back and forth. She realizes he's a psychopath, but we get to see what what his motivations were. I just found the dynamics of that conversation was very interesting. I didn't love it because a woman's getting kidnapped and chained to a chair, but I just thought <laughs> what, what we learn about the characters and see their interactions, I thought was very, was very interesting. Yeah. And there's an interesting line when he, she mentions that she has a boyfriend, which you immediately as a viewer know is not true. Um, but you can see his wheels turning where there is a moment that he believes it. And I feel like as ladies, you know, you often have to, turn men away. Sorry, Doug, um, that you have to hear this. But often that does happen in real life. You know, we have to be very mindful of the things that we say to men sometimes. And I think her saying this, his wheels actually turning like, oh, no, she does have a boyfriend. But then him realizing, wait a second, I don't think this is true. And he kind of calls her bluff. And then, you know, he knows for a fact that she's lying. And I just think that, to your point, I love that scene. I think the dialogue is very good. I think the presentation of it, the direction of that scene as well with the decorations. So there's like this interesting juxtaposition of like all this color, but then all this darkness in the meat of what is actually being discussed. And I really appreciate that. There was another fun scene that did a great job building suspense. At one point, two police officers they respond to a distress call that she had made on her phone before she lost it. And they show up and he stashes her body into the trunk of this car. And she kind of wakes up because she was chloroformed, but she wakes up and she can see the car lights going by. So she starts banging on the roof. And when Thomas realizes she woke up, he turns on Christmas music. So the cops can't hear her banging in the car. It was just very well set up. It's, it's a, a very basic scene, but it was done so well. Yeah, I agree. Did you like how it ended? With him burning and then her just walking out? Yeah. I feel like it's such a fast... For a film that does a good job of maintaining the suspense and action, I did. I wasn't let down. I just felt that, oh, it ended kind of sharply. It ends kind of quick. See, in a movie like that, would you prefer to see the guy get killed or get caught? Sometimes getting caught is more fulfilling because now he has to pay the consequences versus just dying. And now he doesn't have to face consequences for his action. I like this one that he dies. He's done enough in just the film uh, alone in, in this, you know, hour and a half that takes place in real time that I think it's. It's a justified death. Interesting, because it juxtaposes our first movie's ending when the boy gets caught 
but we don't actually see like him face repercussions. We assume he will. On P2, the antagonist dies. But I think the difference, what I like about, the reason why I prefer for Better Watch Out that Luke gets caught or understands that he's going to be found out and caught and brought to justice is he's young. He's going to have a life of misery because of the actions that he did when he is a teenager. Whereas Wes Bentley in P2, he's an adult. He should already know better. He, he, I feel like, oh, he's probably gotten away with similar things like this his whole life. So now is the moment when finally he can no longer get away with doing this kind of stuff. All right. Yeah, so both these films, you cannot go wrong. Both on Tubi, both worth your 90 minutes. Any final thoughts on these two films, Dalen? No, definitely go out and see them. They're really, they're really good. So if you live in a Spanish-speaking country... You will not find P2 it has a different name because the Spanish word of P2 is pedos. In Spanish, that means farts. <laughs> well said. Well said, Doug. <laughs> so you just need to do a little more digging. <laughs> so you can find it. Just be prepared. Maybe in the search history, you'll see a lot of weird stuff popping up with it (laughs) (laughs) on on that note serious business are you ready for 13 questions yeah buddy excellent now before we start i just want to make a quick note uh you didn't grow up with christmas is that correct that is correct i am a hanukkah baby great so it'd be interesting to see your point of view of some of these christmas questions i'm about to ask you yeah and i've been waiting for a good hanukkah horror film there are none i think that you should make one that is my request that you work on making a Hanukkah horror film. I've got a script. Oh boy. <laughs> and I don't want to know. I don't I want to be surprised. Okay. <laughs> but I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. One when, when, one year. One from, year from today. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not one year, but one year down the line. Okay. <laughs> well, I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Here's 13 questions with Dalen Candy Cane Lane. Woo! Favorite Christmas movie? Edward Scissorhands. Favorite Christmas horror movie? Oh. <laughs> okay. Edward Scissorhands is is still going to be that answer, but I think the most beautiful Christmas horror film is um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Excellent. Two great choices. What would you say? I mean, wait, are are these questions that you don't want to answer just yet? This is, I, I unfortunately, I can't step in. These are 13. Uh, okay. Lane. 
<laughs> we'll have to talk <laughs> offline. Okay, okay. So number three. I'm just trying to speed it up here. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to know. No. I do want to know, but if you don't want to share it with the audience, then that's fair. Oh, no, I'll share. That's okay. Um, yeah. For both of them or just my favorite Christmas horror movie? Both of them. Favorite Christmas movie? Okay, I'll give two. Well, Christmas Vacation, of course. Okay. National Lampoon. Mm-hmm. One that a lot of people probably would not expect and may not have even seen is the Brady Bunch Christmas. <laughs> as your favorite Christmas horror film? No, no, no. As far as your favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> okay. I have not seen that, but I'm a fan of the Brady Bunch. That's probably pretty good. A very Brady Christmas of what, what it's called. I think it's okay. just, for me, that's pure nostalgia from when I saw mm-hmm. it as a kid. Yeah. You know? Okay. Saw the Brady Bunch kids growing up. They have their own kids. And they found out that they, they don't have these perfect lives. They all have their own problems. Oh, I would definitely watch that. Yeah. It's like a slap of reality. And then your favorite Christmas horror film. My favorite Christmas horror movie. There's a few. It may, I don't know. It may be, I'd have to look at my list. I don't have one that stands head and shoulders above the rest, but P2 is fun. Mm-hmm. Silent Night, Deadly Night is really good. The first one and the fifth one are pretty good. Those are fun. I, I have not seen the fifth one. That is for sure. Yeah. But I believe you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure you've seen the famous clip from part two. Garbage day. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that film. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so Johnny and his brother celebrate that every year. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, they get a meme for garbage day every year. That's so fun. I wonder if they had any idea the lasting appeal of that line would be. Probably not. (laughs) All right. Rapid fire. All right. Number three. You could either do favorite or least favorite. So favorite or least favorite Christmas song. Uh, Okay. I'll do favorite, but it's the, it's David Bowie and Bing Crosby. Um, Is it? What is it? So not silver. Uh, I can see. I can see the clip again, you guys. This is I'm I'm a Jew, so <laughs> have mercy on me. But yeah, what is the song that they did together, David Bowie and Bing Crosby? Uh, I have a Google machine. <laughs> oh, little drummer boy. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. But to be honest with you, it's just the bias because of David Bowie. I, I'll always. Um, I do not love Christmas music. I just have never really loved it. Uh, however, I do like that. I like the bum bum bum. There's something fun about that. Yep, yep. Cool. Favorite holiday tradition. Oh, so my favorite holiday tra- tradition that I've been doing since I'm an adult is I tend to actually spend the holidays by myself. I I treat that as an actual treat for myself where I can really decompress and not worry about the stress of traveling and just sometimes I get anxiety um, seeing certain people and talking about certain things. And so this at this stage in the game as an adult, when I can enjoy the holiday by myself with 
a beautiful glass of red wine and my favorite horror films, that's what I, I do for my favorite holiday tradition. That's a great choice. You know, Thanks. with the, the amount of stress that generally comes during the holiday season. Yeah. I'm, I'm envious of you. Yeah. Good answer. I would be envious too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Better movie, Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2? Home Alone 1. I'm almost insulted by this question. I only ask because I've seen in person this debate recently. Hmm. So, what I will say, though, is I think Home Alone 1 is the better movie, but I enjoy the second one better, if that makes sense. So it does. Well, I'll... I'll... I'll agree in the aspect that Home Alone 2, especially growing up, and I think even to this day, I do like laugh out loud more at Home Alone 2 than Home Alone 1. But I think Home Alone 1 is just so smart and well done. So that's why my reaction was so strong in that I think Home Alone 1, without a doubt, is the better film. But I do, Home Alone 2 does make me laugh more. I think Home Alone 2 is more of an adventure and he's going all around the city. Yeah, I think it moves faster for me personally, but I still mm-hmm. think the first one is the better movie, but I sometimes enjoy the second one better. And Tim Curry is in the second one. So I, you know, a little not, nod, nod to him yeah. uh, as well, because he is very fun in that role. Like, I really dislike him in that role. Yeah. Both a lot of movies, the structure for part two is just based around the first one. You know, mm-hmm. you have the old man, the shovel slayer. And then in the second movie, you have the pigeon lady. So a lot of the stuff, you know, the, the pizza guy comes and he plays the tape. And the second mm-hmm. one, Tim Curry comes and he plays the tape. So a lot of the second movie wouldn't exist without the first one. It's, a lot of it was just kind of updated trappings that Kevin does. Yeah. And I do love the pigeon lady. Yeah. And the violence in, in two is, wow, a, a few steps up from part one. Yeah, and that's what I, I mean. Both are obviously slapstick, but the second one, there's something just even more hilarious about how dangerous these. I don't know what this says about us that we really enjoy seeing these people hurt, uh, even though it's not real. But still, there's something really hilarious about the stunts done in the second one. Yeah. So, no matter how violent the trappings were in Home Alone 2, nothing beats the nail in the foot during the first Home Alone. Oh, yeah. The simplicity. Anyone that stepped on a Lego or a Jack, we all know the feeling. Damn it. Yeah, stepping on a Lego hurts so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, great scene. You feel it. One more note on Home Alone 1 and 2. In the first Home Alone, Kevin, after fighting with his family, Mm -hmm. says, I want my family to disappear. And he wakes up and they're gone. Mm -hmm. Versus Home Alone 2. He knows that he messed up and just got on the wrong plane. He knows that his family went to Florida and he's in New York. So he knows that if he really wanted to, he can go to the cops and he can kind of right the wrongs. Do you think in the second one, he is just over his family, but for real this time? Because then it doesn't seem like it when, you know, the mother comes and I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't just... I get maybe because he's a kid, no one would believe him. So it's kind of like, well, I might as well commit to this. But yeah, like part two, maybe he felt this was 
a trip of a lifetime. I got mm-hmm. away with it. I'm here. They're down there. Let me just have some fun while I'm here. Yeah. So he maxes out the dad's credit card and just has the time of his life. But that was one fundamental difference with Kevin's motivation with Home Alone 1 versus 2. Just yeah. worth noting. Yeah, I think that's a good call out. That's, that is an important thing that differentiates the two. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Part three, four, five, and six. I think we'll um, skip those. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Maybe when part seven comes out, we'll we'll push back on the Home Alone franchise. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Whose traps would you rather face? Kevin McAllister or Jigsaw? Oh, my God. Oh. oh. I'm going to die either way? Not exactly. But I'll be maimed either way. You, Yeah, you're definitely, your life is going to change. <laughs> um, Kids are going to point when they see you. Ooh. I guess if I have the will to live, jigsaws, because I... I feel like not not all, obviously, but some of them you could maybe get out of. I just feel like his his victims are tired or something. Whereas Kevin McAllister, because he has that child brain, he is so well coordinated and planned and he's got the element of surprise. So I don't think, especially as an adult, I can't I can barely play video games anymore. I'm not making it through the McAllister house. Yeah. <laughs> Better Christmas movie, Christmas Vacation or Elf? Oh, oh man. Okay, I'm gonna admit to this, and it gives me no joy. I really do not like Christmas Vacation. <gasps> I know, but I just have to confess and come clean. I think Elf is so much more wily and silly and Christmas vacation. There's something about it that I feel like whenever I watch it, like Griswolds, haven't you done this every single, like, how are you still in chaos mode after all these years? I just, uh, and I love, I love the vacation series. Actually. Yeah. Even like the European one and the Vegas one. But the Christmas one, ugh. So yeah, my vote is for Elf. Wow. That Sorry. is a hot take on Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Ooh, send your hate mail to <laughs> Dalen Lane at um, on Instagram. Oh man, you even removed the candy cane. I've lost my official name, name tag in this episode. <laughs> revoked. Man. Well, why do you... Uh, that film doesn't... and Like, doesn't that film stress you out also? It doesn't stress you out. No. You don't watch. I I laugh. Oh. Every, I I tell you. So I probably watched it every year since it came out, which means I am on thirty three watchings of that movie, thirty four viewings. I laugh every time. Oh man, so good. That's it's a lot of Christmas vacation. Oof. <laughs> well, respect. I respect it, and I yes, send your hate mail to me. I will thrive on it. <laughs> All right, next question. In 1990, Joe Pesci had two movies, Home Alone and Goodfellas. Which one is better? Goodfellas. Wow, that was quick. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, 
Okay. Not fair to compare. Joe Pesci, though, is hilarious in both, but in Goodfellas, it's such a degree of comedy with the serious tone. It's funny, but you know it's really not funny. His acting is just amazing in that film. And plus the cast, everything about it, like it's just, I don't know, it's so much richer. I so I really don't feel like it's a fair comparison, but yeah, Goodfellas. I mean, to me, that one's easy. Yeah, I would say Goodfellas is the better movie, but Home Alone is probably what most people would have watched. Yeah. It's really funny. I pretty much guarantee you when he made those two movies that year, he was like, Goodfellas is where it's at. No one's going to watch his Home Alone. That's probably what he was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's a good problem to have, though, when you're an actor, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's also versatile, although he doesn't, he does a lot of the same roles. I mean, really in his acting career, he's been very versatile. He's definitely tried different types of roles. Um, so I, I appreciate him. Yeah. A real legend. Mm -hmm. All right. Next question. Favorite Christmas candy. Favorite Christmas candy. You know what? Mm, maybe not candy, but I have no idea if what the brand is. But maybe have you ever had? There are these like little tree shaped cookies, and they're covered in chocolate and like Christmas, uh, Christmas colored. The little ball sprinkles. That was my. I loved those cookies growing up. Like a specific brand, or just those cookies in general. Those cookies and yeah, I don't know the brand. I don't even honestly, I don't remember if they were from a bakery or like from a, like from a box from a store. But those cookies, I think, were my favorite. And then like honorary, the second honorary mention would be those pignoli cookies, those Italian with the pine nuts, which I think they're Christmas time cookies. I think, but those are my 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 honorary mention for a second one. Great. What's yours? You must have a favorite Halloween candy. Uh, not Halloween candy, Christmas candy. Oh, <laughs> always, always Halloween on the brain. Um, you know what's really good? I don't know if they're my favorite, but they are pretty tasty. They make peeps that are dipped in chocolate, and then the top has peppermint on it. I've never... I've seen Christmas-shaped peeps, but I've never seen ones in chocolate with candy cane stuff on it. So good, yeah. Oh yeah, those are good. I I really like which they finally brought back this year. But Starbucks brought back the peppermint cake pop. Yep, so good. Those are just so small though. You don't get a lot of cake, but I know that they're tasty. Yeah, although they got rid of my toasted white chocolate mocha this holiday season, though I'm a little bummed about that. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Never again, Starbucks. <laughs> Just don't get rid of my PSL in the fall and where it will. And also the strawberry. You like that strawberry drink. Oh, the pink drink? Yeah, yeah. Ah, absolutely. Yeah. Very refreshing. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there any Christmas food worse than a fruitcake? Oh, man. Uh, yes. But this is also going to be a hot take, and this is not necessarily a Christmas dessert. But I, oof, flan. Ugh. Some people love it. I, ugh, I'd rather have fruitcake than flan. Wow, man, it's it's too wet. 
it's too wet without like, I don't know, there's structure, but it doesn't feel like in my mouth that there's structure. I understand this all sounds really weird and terrible, but I would definitely rather have a fruit cake because I can also saturate it in alcohol or chocolate and mask it <laughs> and make it work. So everyone send your fruit cakes to Dylan's house. <laughs> <laughs> Just send me your, your hate mail as well for the flan because I know that that I, I know. I know people are going to really dog on me for that one, but that's yeah. fine. No, th those are your personal answers. You know, even if we all disagree, those are your, your personal choices. I'm not a texture person. Like I'm not shy around food with different weird textures, so to speak. However, that one gets me. I just, I want to love it so much. And every single time I retry it, just, nope, I can't do it. Do you like creme brulee? I love creme brulee. That's why I don't understand. It's not that different. You know, it was really good. I had mm -hmm. a creme brulee that had candy cane melted on top. Ooh, that's, have you ever had a chocolate creme brulee? Yes. Oh, I had a, a yin yang creme brulee and it was half Ugh. chocolate, half vanilla. So good. So I could eat creme brulee every day. That's, that's a, one day when I'm rich, I will. <laughs> You've redeemed yourself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no more hate mail. <laughs> All right. Next question. We only got three more. Oh. Yep. So there's an ongoing debate. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. Yes, it is. And now they also make a Die Hard advent calendar. So it's kind of a calendar, but it's, um, what's his name? Uh, Ugh, Doug, you help me. Um, the villain's name in real life. Oh, would have passed away. Yes, thank you. It's Alan Rickman, so it's a calendar. I only know this because my friend got my other friend this particular item after being targeted it on Instagram. So it's Alan Rickman falling from the Naktomi Plaza. And you can like shift him down. He's on a magnet. So you shift him down every day until the end of the month. And then, you know, he falls oh, off the building. Fun. Yeah, it's very clever. But yes, I am in a family. It is a Christmas film. They're at a Christmas party. Right. There's a lot of movies that are actually take place on Christmas that people don't consider Christmas movies. Like Rocky Four, the fight against Dragos is Christmas Day. You know, I've seen that film so many times. I have never noticed that it takes place on Christmas Day. The only reference to it, they during the press conference, they asked Rocky, when's the fight? He, Christmas. Oh, yeah, I tell don't. Me. And then his son's sitting in front of a Christmas tree with the robot when they're watching the fight. I, yeah, I guess I, I do remember that, but it never processed that it was, ah, oh, that, huh. Well, there you go. That's also a fantastic Christmas movie. But yeah, do you, are you in the family of Die Hard is not a Christmas film? It's interesting. I didn't think of it until this debate came out because I think I first watched it in the summer. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's more of an action movie that took place during Christmas. But like, if you really break it down, like you said, they're at a Christmas party. Mm -hmm. And I guess if it's your tradition, if it's something you watch every year to you, it is a Christmas movie. Who cares if someone mm -hmm. else doesn't think it is? I know the mm -hmm. director said that he didn't intend it to be a Christmas movie. But hey, if that puts you in the holiday spirit, then that's a Christmas movie. I don't care. Yeah. I think I think it it is or 
maybe it's just evolved into becoming a Christmas film. Like maybe the intention wasn't there, but then there are things that do, or rather not confirm because if he's saying it's not, that said, whatever, it's your opinion. And if he's fine with you thinking it is, then it is. So yeah. to me, it is. Yeah. I, I, I bet you their distributor would say it's a Christmas movie. That yeah. More people to check it out every December. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But Rambo took place in December. The, the police station is full of Christmas decorations. But it's not really a Christmas movie. So they're movies that takes place in Christmas time, but aren't really, I wouldn't say they're Christmas movies. They happen to fall during December. Yeah, I would not consider Rambo a Christmas film. <laughs> what I should say. Yeah. But even even with the nod to it, it I would never consider that like in the realm of, oh yeah, let's also just like watch this around Christmas even. Whereas Die Hard is a fun film to watch with a group of people or like at a family setting, you know. The first child's play took place around Christmas. Yes. You know, yep. their house is decked out in Christmas imagery. And also Gremlins, of course, yeah. is very much a Christmas film. But but yeah. Yeah. Interesting. A different holiday. But would you consider E.T. a Halloween movie? The final scene takes place for well, the day after Halloween. But that big setup, they go trick-or-treating. And that's when E.T. gets lost. And they yeah. when they find I, Elliot, they're wearing costumes still. I never, ever thought of it. But now that you ask... Yes, I would say I personally consider or would consider E.T. a Halloween film because of that one scene in particular where they do where they're dressed up trick or treating. And then even later on, you know, they're back in kind of their their get up again. So, yeah, it feels to me like that is appropriate to be a Halloween film. Great. Two more questions, sadly. Oh man. What horror franchise would best fit a Christmas setting? Wait, what do you like which franchise if I could move it into a Christmas setting so that it would be considered a Christmas film? No, like you could make a sequel to any of the any movie. Uh-huh. And you could have it take place during Christmas. Like which horror franchise ah. would fit that setting best? Ooh. I mean, I, I mean, really and I guess putting Gremlins aside, I think I would want to say Child's Play. But if we can't really consider that because it's already a little bit in that realm, like ever so slightly, ever so slightly, then I would love to see Freddy and like Nightmare on Elm Street in a Christmas setting. I would love to see that. I think that would be really fun. I don't know, though, that I would want any of them to be like a full film. I think this is where I would prefer to have a like a Star Wars you know, Christmas special. It's not the same amount of, of time. The right? The I, Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, so it's it's meant to maybe be a little bit sillier also. And that's why. So in my head, if, if I were going to have if I was going to have it my way, it would be a shorter, sillier film of Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street in the Christmas verse. He's already dressed for the occasion. He's got his red and green on. Ready to right. party. He already got that. He could easily take over Santa's sleeping uh, dreamland or even Mrs. Claus or one of the elves. Like, I think it would just be very fun or even Rudolph, you know. What are Santa's nightmares about? That'd be interesting to see. 
He doesn't make it to the kids. Ah. He doesn't. He doesn't make it, or he doesn't make it back to the North Pole. Okay. Or all of his elves leave, and he's left to to make all the toys. Oh wow. He loses his uh, manpower. Yeah. His workforce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, if he can't make the toys, he can't deliver it. Nope. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'd, I'd watch it. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I like that question. Yeah. Nightmare on the North Pole. There you go. All right, your last question. Okay, I'm ready. You can take any Christmas movie and remake it into a horror movie. What movie would it be? Christmas Vacation. I would make that into a horror film. Wow. So Clark Griswold, the, the famous chainsaw scene, maybe he turns against his family? Yeah. Yeah. And then Uncle, uh, well, Randy Quaid. Cousin also, Eddie. like, yeah, Cousin Eddie, he does something as well. Maybe they team up or something, but I could definitely see. I think I would like that film more if it was a horror film or like a thriller. Not even true horror. If it was a suspenseful thriller, that would be such a fun spin on that film. What if when Cousin Eddie kidnaps Clark's boss, he kills him by accident? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, there are so many there are so many things in that film that you could easily work with. And he dumps the body in front of Clark, and now Clark realizes he's in this too. And now they have to just go with it. And it starts the third act of just pure chaos. And then at the very end, when all the cops and SWAT teams burst into the windows, it's just a bloodbath of Clark with his chainsaw. See? Against all the cops. Okay. You wouldn't you wouldn't watch this? Oh, I'd watch it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I like this. I, I like that. I like that question too. Yeah, I, I think that would be a really fun thriller. I tell you, Christmas horror movies, there is never gonna be enough. There's so many ideas out there. It's There's a lot of Christmas horror movies, but it's still a relatively untapped market. There's room yeah. for more. There's so many creative ideas, all the different Christmas lores. And every few years, there's a new lore added. You know, you got the Elf on the Shelf, which is within the last 15 years or so, which has mm -hmm. spawned horror movies. I tell you, I'm excited to do future installments for more Christmas horror movies. Yeah, I hope you do. And I look forward to watching them. And then also making the Hanukkah one. I would love more Hanukkah films. I'd love some Kwanzaa films. I'd love some, you know, Ramadan films. Like I, I want all the holiday films, especially leaning into the horror realm. I just think it's a fun spin on them always. You always know they're a little bit tongue in cheek. So, so yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, the good news is you don't need to wait until next year to find out more Christmas horror movies because next week we'll continue our coverage of Christmas horror films. Ooh, I cannot wait to hear what's going on. Absolutely. And I'm so happy to have you on again, Dalen. Same here. Such a pleasure. I love being here. I love this show. And uh, yeah, I would love to come back anytime. This is so much fun. Excellent. And where can people find you on the social media? You can find me at ghoul whip, ghoul underscore whip at Instagram to see some of the weird art and baked goods that I make or Dalen Lane MUA uh, for some of my makeup stuff. Although I'm starting to lean away from that a little bit, but um, yeah, th that's where you can 
find me. So give me a shout. Send me your uh, hate mail. I, I love it all. <laughs> send her those fruit cakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Dalen Candy Cane Lane a follow on the Instagram. Yay! And until next time, this is Doug with the Scarcity Horror Podcast. Tune in next week as we continue discussing Christmas horror films. You can follow us on Instagram at scared underscore stiff underscore films. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>